connection. Great. And I forgot to record audio. So I am on top of things. Today has been a good day again, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get caught up eventually, I swear. I promise. Might be in September, but you never know. This is the busiest time of year from a dog training standpoint. Everybody's got puppies and they're like, ooh, train them, please. As well as we have puppies and we have all of the other amazing things to do. So, are you folks here? Is this thing on? Okay, so are you? What's the plan for calling them? Yeah, but I want to make sure them? that they're actually here. For sure, we're gonna call them. I don't okay. see a check-in from them yet here, and we already got a super chat. So while we wait, the winners, the Decox, are going to be called here shortly. And it says here, can you pull that up? Since if I pull it up, it's yep, it angry did. at me. Do it, do it. William Chesson, thank you for the super chat. I want to say thank you for the platform training. My Brittany got it down in two days. That's, That's fantastic. awesome. I'm glad it's been helpful. Um, as far as platform training, I'm assuming you're meaning place training, and that is such a powerful, awesome tool to help a puppy, a young dog, any dog actually. Learn how to settle down and behave well in the house. Finally, getting to the bourbon. I mean, this has been a long, drawn-out intro here, babe. (laughs) Well, guess what? Uh, For those of you that missed the long, drawn-out intro, if you want to come back and... You weren't missing much. No, just kidding. (laughs) You weren't. But if you do want to come back, you get to miss the first 10 minutes of my ramble schmamble if you listen to the podcast because I forgot to hit the record button. So there's always that. Is it in here? What do we see? Oh, you got another one here. Yep, got another super chat. Um, I would just text Jason while we're waiting since we just happened to magically have his number and they were the winner winner chicken dinners. Um, but I don't next- think I have his number in here. You should have it now. But super chat from Brandon R. Any tips for gun dogs around cactus? So our dogs are from Kansas and we don't really have cactus, but it's very interesting. Ethan will go down and hunt in Texas and they actually learn very, very quickly, or at least our dogs seem to, to avoid the cactus and go around the cactus because, ouch, that hurt. And I don't really want to do it again. Um, and then also when you're hunting anywhere in those areas that have a lot of cactus, we recommend doing tailgate checks to make sure that they don't have any sticking in their face, their ears, their legs, their paws, because those little cactus thorns can get pretty infected pretty easily. Um, and they're really fine little, um, almost hair-like follicles with those sharp little spines. 100% they can be. And the the biggest thing though is, um, <laughs> Hair. It's what is it with all of this and the goats? Ethan is not batting a thousand tonight. By the way, Ethan no, is batting, batting like, like zero zero tonight. Yeah. All right. So um, the the only thing that is batting a thousand is uh, this Colonel H Taylor small batch. Woo 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 woo. So um, with the cactus, though, they do one hundred percent. They figure it out pretty quick. It only takes a maybe a handful of cactus, depending on the dog, but. Um, they learn to avoid them. Now, anytime I've seen obstacles in the field that we run into as far as issues go, let's say 
in the Midwest or upper Midwest, barbed wire fences are pretty popular in the old ag fields. Okay. Um, why? Because they keep cattle in and out of where they're supposed to be. Is Usually they help keep people in and out of where they are and aren't supposed to be. But some people, you know, freak out about dogs crossing fences. Now, there is a chance that something could happen. They get hooked on a barb, they get torn up, they get cut up. But every time I try and stop them, it causes the dogs to have some form of irregular movement. And I feel like that is when I typically have the biggest issues. If I just leave them be, I can watch a dog hopscotch across the dang fence the whole way down the thing 45 times back and forth and back and forth and gives me like a small heart attack. But at the same time, when they finish up, completely no scratches on them. Yeah, but we've also had some situations where we haven't tried to interrupt them and they're just vex. I can think of, for example, charging through that barbed wire fence um, back when we were in Norton training. He doesn't do it anymore, though. I'm saying he learned. He did learn. <laughs> it also included his entire ear getting split in half. That's, that's Blood everywhere. That's... that's the likelihood of that is pretty small, though. I mean, think Brucey about that. Also has a flip-flap ear from okay, barbed wire. So we know of two dogs. If your dog has cut their ear open. On a barbed wire on fence, On a barbed wire fence, you, put it in the comments, because I think that it happens more often than you're letting on. I don't believe so. But okay. The thing about it is, all I'm getting at is, for the most part, the dogs are going to learn these things on their own. Now, obviously, there are higher risk situations, right? So we're not going to say, let's let them learn how to avoid vehicles by letting them run into the road and get hit by a car. Okay, that's not going to work. We're not advocating for that at all. No. But... Things like cactus, things like other minor obstacles within the field themselves, they're going to have to learn how to go around. They're going to have to learn how to figure out what a cactus is. And that happens by running into a cactus and going, that was a bad idea. Let's not do that again. And you'll have to apologize me. Apologize me. I will have to apologize to you for me. I will probably have to blow my nose multiple times during this. That's right. I'll just experience. mute your mic while you're doing it. Okay. Appreciate See, it. Like, keep talking here for a second. Okay. I'm talking. Now you probably can't hear me because Ethan shut me off. I oh, don't know. Now you're back. But, See, that um, works. So just tell me when you need to blow your nose. I'll okay. be like, boom, she gone. Nobody but has so to But so sorry because I am having a cold and there's no help for it. Okay. Holy cow. We got a super chat from Joel. Adam Priest, 32 for $20, but there's no question associated with it. So oh, wait, 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 wait. Up ahead. Right up ahead. Yep, my dog completely jumped. I'm assuming that's the one. My dog completely biffed it, jumping into the back of the truck, and now he won't even try to get in to kennel up. Now what do I do? Fresh bacon treats. Nothing works. Ah, that's a tough one. Uh, when dogs have bad experiences like that, of course, they're going to be apprehensive. I mean, think about yourself. Uh, we even see, we get lots of experiences now with Aiden specifically, right? I mean, what was he doing the other day? He did something. He fell down. Uh, I think he kind of like, he didn't fall down the stairs, but he kind of like tripped, 
slipped on the stairs a little bit, fell, bumped and his now knee. Now he wants to hold your hand every time. Yes. He doesn't want to do it by himself. He's apprehensive yep. to try and do it by himself. So that's going to happen. Now, all I will say is the smaller steps that you take in dog training, the faster you're going to get there. So if you have apprehension, right, um, if we can break that down into essentially a staircase that leads up into the truck or one step and then into the truck, whatever the number of steps you have to add to, but make that jump less and so that they can gain some confidence back in their abilities to make that jump. Um, so we have, I think we have another video on our channel about tips and tricks on how to help dogs get into the back of the truck. And we did the video. I did the video with a little, um, Brock Francais diesel and I used a platform and showed that process and, um, actually had her tethered as well and was helping just with a little lead pressure, a little bit of collar, a little bit of platform. And she gained a ton of confidence and building momentum. So lots of in, lots of in, lots of in, then take the platform away again. Um, so I would start there, uh, the bacon treats. We actually have used birds before, like fresh killed birds. If dogs are super excited about bird retrieves, tossing those in the back of the truck that, you know, prey drive kicks in and they're like, Oh, I can't think about anything else other than this bird that I really want to have. And it happens to be in the back of the truck. I'm going for it. Absolutely. Find something to, uh, stimulate that drive and desire to overcome the apprehension. Have you gotten a text back? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. It says, uh, uh, shoot. Mallory is at the, f- uh, busy. So well, we'll, we'll wait be, a little yeah, bit we'll here. Be available through. By the time we are probably going to be on until about eight thirty, mm-hmm. so hopefully you guys will be able to join us shortly. And until then, we did get another super chat from Devin Pazdernik. Sorry if I butchered that. That was this is. I'm going to throw this one out here, and then we'll jump on those really quick. Like um, Tim. We have his dog in right now. He just tuned in and said, hey, guys, tuning in from Illinois. The S is silent. Uh, I thought it was. I was reading that in passing, and I thought the S was silent in your name. I was like, Tim Marco. I've been saying some Marco the whole time. This is uh, awkward. Yeah. No, Ethan just can't read. It's fine. Yeah. It's small print. And it I can't is open it print. up on my Let's see if we can make it bigger. Hey, yo. Oh, we can make it really big that's kind of cool so Devin said I have a 13 week old small Munsterlander puppy off leash walks he won't go more than 20 to 30 yards and then comes back to me or waits for me to catch up before he will keep going normal or concerning Um, one question that I'd like to ask you is do you go for walks slash free run slash getting him out in the field to start hunting on a check cord. That's something that we typically see that 20 to 30 yard range with dogs that haven't been let off really a leash or a check cord in those situations. Um, or if you started this process with a check cord, it can condition that shorter range because they hit the end of the check cord, which is 20 or 30 feet. They have to circle back, come around and check in. So if your puppy's had a lot of experience on a check cord, even in the you know five weeks that you've had them, That could be something that's started to condition this range. Um, But if you haven't been using a check cord, not necessarily is it concerning, but the less focus you can put on the fact that your puppy's checking in and not really ranging much further than that on their own right now, the better. We don't want to put a lot of emphasis on ourselves. We want to just kind of ignore them, 
keep walking, let them gain some confidence and it will come. Um, your puppies, as long as you're not calling them back or constantly trying to hunt them up, go get them, go on puppy. Every time you're saying something like that to your puppy, it's actually drawing their attention back to you, pulling their focus away from, oh, well, I haven't heard anything from dad in a while. Okay. I guess I am going to go check out this grass or I'm going to go sniff some more. No check cord usage. He does it naturally. Okay. So don't use a check cord if you haven't already. And then, um, like I said, stop putting any emphasis on yourself. Just let that puppy kind of range. And some puppies take a little bit longer to build the confidence to get out further from you, which is why when people say, well, what age should I start collar conditioning my puppy to recall? Well, some puppies might need that collar conditioning to recall at that 12 to 13 week mark because they're just so confident and bold and ready to get out and run away from you, ideally, that you need to be able to call them back. And some puppies, that recall to um, collar conditioning doesn't really need to start until after they're 16 weeks old. Trix is a prime example of this, which we're getting ready to shoot her collar conditioning to recall video, and she's five months old, or just five months old, I think. So mm, yeah, pretty we, close. Yeah, we haven't done that yet because she not that she doesn't have confidence because she goes out and she hits the field and she hunts hard right now um and starts searching and everything, but she has hit that point where she's got a little more independence than I'd like to see in a sense that I need her to come back when I call now. Um so that's why that range can really change and depend on um the age of the puppy. So 12, 13 weeks old, I wouldn't be super concerned. Just continue to do what you're doing, gain their exposure. If you have a buddy um, that has another young dog or a little bit older dog that they can go hunting with and learn to hunt a field with, that can really be beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's see. Anything? We had another super chat. Yeah. yeah. C. Staffney. What brand kennel do you recommend? Gunner, Dakota, Orion, Rough Tough, Primos, Lucky Duck, and etc. This is awesome. This is an awesome question. So there are multiple different answers to this, and I feel bad saying that sometimes because the multiple different answers uh, tend to be more of a thing that we can do because of the fact that we are professionals, right? I mean, I, I literally have... Lots. Let's go with lots. Lots and lots of crates. We have different options. We have different brands. We have different reasons for them. I even have to the extent of custom dog boxes built to fit in the back of my truck, as well as custom dog boxes built into the shape of a trailer, right? I mean, that's essentially what they are. They're multiple dog boxes packed together on one frame. But the the big thing with that is as far as a specific brand, it kind of depends on what you're specifically looking to do with them. In our in our kennel, we use Roughland, which is used to be Rough Tough, and they I don't know why they changed it some legal something something, but Roughland kennels they um, we use those on the regular. They are lightweight, they're fairly easy to clean, they're durable, they hold up, they're um, they. It's nice. You can replace. Yep. And you can replace the door if something ever happens with the door. Um, They hold up pretty well. And they come in multiple sizes. Did you say that? No, but multiple Multiple sizes. Multiple sizes. So we've got a crate training or a 
picking the right crate size video. And that's one reason that we really like Roughland is because they do come in a variety of sizes, which like Ethan mentioned, we're professionals. So we have a variety of their sizes so that we can work on that puppy training, that crate training and getting them to be, you know, really consistent with their pottying, not in a crate because they don't have too much extra space. Um, so we really like the Roughland crates for kind of in the house, in the kennel use. Mm-hmm. So the other side of it is I honestly am going to say and believe right now that if you have a, I don't know, pet mate or very crate or a majority of the bolt together clam style, style, clamshell style, there are a handful of them that are a little higher quality, but those style of crate is essentially equivalent to rough flint. Now the single piece molded type of thing is a little more durable, um, but it's also in the grand scheme of things, harder to store if you do need to break it down ever. So there are some pluses and minuses, but I feel like they fall into the same category of it's a great crate to have around the house. It's a comes great crate. Multiple sizes. It comes in multiple sizes. So you have the ability and they are less expensive. Now, if you move into some of the other ones you specifically ask about, um, I believe it's Orion. Orion, uh, the doors buckle onto the front. Check. Uh, let me check this real quick because I'm like, um, I got an. Ooh, we're going to need to use that again, it looks like. So the Orion's, Orion Kennel, Orion Kennels. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So the fronts, I saw this and I went, this is probably the stupidest design. And I mean that not in a nice way. This is probably the <laughs> really? stupidest design that was ever invented in the form of a dog kennel. If you want to talk about safety, because what they've specifically tried to do here is create a travel kennel, right? It's a higher end quote unquote pricing wise, but then the dang door buckles on with a stupid little buckle it just doesn't. It, it Maybe I, there's a quick release. I don't know. It's hard to tell in that picture. I don't think so. But if there is, that would be smart. I don't believe there is. The door literally buckles on, and I am afraid that that buckled on door will break. So Orion got scratched off of my list of interest right off the bat. Now We get asked a lot, though, about like traveling crates. Traveling and- crates, yes. And and. Safety is important with that aspect of things. So definitely, if you're going to be traveling with your dog in a crate, which if you're traveling with your dog, they should be contained. They shouldn't be free roaming inside the vehicle for their safety and your safety if you're ever in an accident. Um, But I believe Lucky Crate and Gunner Crates are the only two on that list that you've given us that meet those crash test requirements. Um, yes. Lucky, uh, lucky and gunner, gunner are the only two that have any kind of crash test rating. Now, Dakota, Dakota two eighty three. They also make a kennel. It falls into the category of the rough, tough, approximately style. roughland kennels. Yep. yep. Um, or Primos. Primos is, uh, I don't believe they've passed the safety ratings, but Primos is, is closer to, the lucky and the the gunner and what we're in the process right now is um they are on order i bought them with my own dolores um, gunner kennels to try out 
They have several different sizes. We want to try that out as well as they have all of the accessories. So that's something that I'm interested in. They have fans that fit. So you have extra air blowing. They have tie down straps. They have weather guards. And the thing about the gunners that they have, they're double wall insulated where most people are adding a kennel cover. We specifically sell them standingstonesupply.com if you're interested. Mud Rivers makes a product. Mud Rivers has some really awesome stuff that goes on to like a Rufflin kennel or a very kennel, but they, I think they almost fit perfectly on those Rufflin kennels, but it's an insulated pad, right? For weather proofing. Um, but the gunners are double wall insulated. So all they do is block off the vents for their weatherproofing kit. So they have a lot of things, something I'm interested in. We are all about finding the best products for our dogs so that we can test them, try them out, and then recommend them to you or provide them to you at a reasonable price so that you can get all of the stuff you need for your dog in one place. So so good question. As far as what brand do you recommend, it really depends on exactly what you're looking for. But those are the pros and cons that I know so far. Okay, so we got another super chat from Don Williams. My GSP was scared by a very large firework a couple of years back and is now afraid of any loud noises and is now gun shy. Any advice on calming her during these events since they are not predictable? Um, so this is one of those situations that I do feel like we need a little more information. Um, is your GSP a hunting dog? Um, I'm assuming since you say they're gun shy and you're potentially wanting to take them hunting. Um, and then of course, fireworks are tough because yes, there's the 4th of July. People shoot off fireworks for other times of the year and celebrations. And those aren't necessarily predictable situations as well as, you know, if you're in a neighborhood, which I, Again, having to make an assumption that you live in town or something like that. We're really lucky. I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere, basically, in the country, and we don't really have to worry about anybody shooting off fireworks at random times of the day, night, um, year to startle dogs when they're outside going to the bathroom or just trying to spend some time outside in the backyard with them. So um, calming them during these events. I've heard of dogs that can wear like those thunder coats. That can help them feel a little more safe. Um, I've even had people that have, during firework season in the 4th of July, will actually get medication from their vet to help their dog feel a little more relaxed in the home. Uh, People using white noise to cover up some of those external noises if they're even startled just being inside the home from those sounds. Uh, But if you can help your dog become a little more confident with like the gunfire aspect side of things that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to carry over for them to be confident with loud noises like fireworks or thunderstorms because it was snap specifically right yeah well i was going to say because with gunfire if they are a hunting dog and we can get past that gun sensitivity a lot of times it's because they're so focused in the moment and there's an association of with gunfire comes this really great thing called a bird that I'm going to get to chase and I'm going to get to retrieve. So there's context. Yeah, that's not a bad. There's a thing. reason for the noise. Whereas with um, the fireworks, there's not necessarily a positive aspect in your dog's mind. No pretty light show that they're looking forward to. So um, it can become. Uh, there's nothing exciting for that to associate with. 
I got a book. No. I, whoa. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm going to just uh, mute the old sneezer over there. And I muted myself and and didn't cat. So there you go. You got uh, nothing. Um, Thanks, anyhow, hun. I tried. I tried. There you go. Add that to the old batting score, Scott. So um, the other thing about it is, I mean, you hit it all on top. Just know firsthand that we've had a dog that's very similar. She hated thunderstorms. Absolutely hated them. 100%. But she was a senior hunter um, and had literally thousands of birds killed for killed over. No issues with gunfire ever, but did not like thunderstorms. And it, there would be times where it was like, uh, what is going on, Snap? You won't lay down. You're not, you're just antsy. You're panting. You're pay- What is going on, right? And then you kind of look. It's like, oh, I, I guess we're going to have a thunderstorm in a few hours. You know, I mean, so something about what was going on, she could sense and tell and didn't like it. So it's just different. And what we ended up working through with her was just giving her a a quiet and closed space, which essentially that thunder jacket kind of helps with that just enclosed safe spot. And she really, um, either being crated, but if she was in the bedroom, she would just be pacing and worked up. So if she was overnight during a thunderstorm, she needed to either be crated or literally in bed with us. But on a dog bed, she would be active and she would get up and she would pace a lot. So I do want to say from our patron, we got a pass. Uh, There was a situation, he said, my wife's not here. And I think that he basically understood he'd be in the doghouse if he took the call without his wife. So he graciously passed. So we get to do another random name generator while you answer the next question there. Next super chat is from Lone Star Steph. Two pointers, both female. They are both healthy, happy, and ready to hunt. How should introducing the gun to my oldest, who has never been around gunfire? I know 2020 was busier than I thought. Thank you. Um, So we highly recommend doing gunfire introductions with birds. Uh, If you don't have access to birds and your dogs are super retrieve driven, we've actually shown some videos how to do a gunfire intro with bumpers. We did that with Thunder because that little puppy which he's not such a little puppy anymore, but in the video, this guy was super driven for retrieves. He would love to retrieve all day long. So for him, a bumper was enough of an excitement reward that he would be focused on that during the gunfire portion of that introduction. Um, but most dogs we that are going to be hunting dogs, you know, we want to utilize birds because they get so focused on that bird and the excitement of that bird that nothing else truly matters. And then we start that gunfire introduction from a distance. We start with a blank pistol, work up to a 12-gauge blank, and then we can um, evaluate and move closer and closer until we say, okay, there's no reaction to the gunfire. We can go ahead and start shooting birds over them. We have multiple videos on our channel, and all you have to do is search Standing Stone gunfire intro, and I bet... Three or four of them come up at least. I can do it for you real quick and show exactly what shows up. And then um, key to it. So think about this. First of all, YouTube is in fact just a search yes. engine, but the only results that you get populated back to you are videos. So go to YouTube and search things if you want to find our videos or search Put our category. Stone in there. Yep. Standing stone. Um, kennels if you really want to, but standing stone gun fire. That's all I'm looking for. Gun fire 
And then and we've probably we got some gun sensitivity videos too. Yep. So we get gunfire intro, no birds. The we first one I was talking about with thunder where we did it with bumpers. Then I have another one called stop doing this. It says how not to introduce your dog to gunfire. Which then, those are important videos too. Yep. Bird and gun introduction. Then we have That was with Quest, I think. A Yawa episode where we specifically talked about gunfire sensitivity. Um, and then three things you need to hunt also talked about gunfire, and that's something pretty exciting we have coming up. Then we have a bird and gunfire introduction that with was with Sprig. Spriggy. And then we have gunfire out of the end of my own shotgun okay. um, where I did some exhibition shooting. Uh, but so there's like three or four videos right in a row that you could watch that would help you have a better idea on how to do a gunfire introduction as well as you can always reach out to us on Patreon if you need more help or if you want us to help watch training sessions and evaluate, hey, are you ready to move closer? Uh, should you take a step back? Don't push it. We can watch, evaluate, because the most powerful tool we have to help you is our ability to read dogs, read training sessions, and we can only do that via videos. 100%. So, great question. Did you do a number random generator thing? I did. Uh, number 29 was selected, who happens to be Alex Becker. I don't know if Alex Becker is here now. If you are, just shoot a quick bebop down below. Um, yeah, comment here in the, the live chat so that we can know you're here. And then if you want to shoot us a message on Patreon. We'll give you five minutes. Hopefully you are here, but five minutes. And then what we'll end up doing is picking another number. Somebody, some lucky. Lucky patron person. member. Yep, some lucky person. Okay, so we have another here. super chat while we're waiting from Eli Handy. Uh-huh. Is there a way to train a dog to halfway avoid barbed wire fence while running my dog tonight? She cut her leg on it and would like her to avoid it. So we actually just talked about this a little bit at the beginning and uh, was saying, hey, comment if you've had your dog cut up by barbed wire. You would no, be one of the people. Comment if you've had your dog's ear ripped in half by barbed wire. That was what we were looking at. Yes, but this person commented with a super chat, so... Well, 100%. But yes, we were talking about barbed wire earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So typically dogs are intelligent and they learn how to maneuver through cactus or through the barbed wire. I mean, I think Vex has literally only cut himself like 12 times on barbed wire. (laughs) No, not that many times. Probably twice, maybe. But they do learn. um, We do still wear chest protectors on our dogs, and that's not necessarily just for barbed wire protection, but also for really thick, tough cover protection. Milo stubble, Milo stalks really bad on their eyes and their face, and those leaves cut, like their chest open, everything. Milo. But um, one thing that you can do is you can take your dog up to a barbed wire fence and then throw them into it. No, just kidding. Absolutely don't do that. That was funny. I, I made a funny, huh? Kind of a half funny. I'm not usually very funny. So, but take them up to it and show them how to easily get through the barbed wire. And there's definitely different levels of barbed wire fence. You can see those like five strand barbed wire fences that you could like play a tune off of. Because they're so tight. Wait a second. You're going to have to do that again. I'm not doing that again. Or there's the like really saggy ones where you can basically walk through them because they are so 
open and loose and haven't been um, upkept. And then there's some that are kind of just dangerous because they're okay. all over the place. Um, but showing your dog how to easily maneuver that, it's like teaching your dog to hop into the back of the truck or how to get on a new style of dog bed or dog training platform. Sometimes they just need to be shown how it can be done and that they can do this and that they can gain confidence so that they can understand, hey, if I just go through the barbed wire fence this way, it will avoid me getting all cut up and sliced and diced. For sure. I'll be honest. I don't love the opportunities to hunt along barbed wire fences. Now, from a quail standpoint, you know, fence lines aren't a bad place to find quail, especially in the state of Kansas. But I preferably am not going to choose the path of along the fence line. I'm going to hunt up to fence lines and then I do step on the wire, pull another wire up and say, come on, pup, hop through the hole that's now giant here for you to make it through and hopefully not get cut up. So uh, I think those things are going to be good. Ultimately, if your dog just got cut up, there's a good chance that they're going to avoid for the most part. But at the same time, long the long and short of it is hunting dogs are going to injure themselves some way or another, sometime, somehow. Hopefully it was a minimal injury in your situation, but. Uh, but med kits are also super awesome to have on hand with staplers, uh, bandages, things like that. And yes. speaking of med kits, which I want to throw this out there because we've had a lot of people asking about med kits. Yes. And we had taken our original med kit down off of our store and hadn't put one back up. And a big part of why it came down off the store for a while is during the whole COVID thing, it was honestly really hard to get some of the necessary supplies that we wanted to include. Yeah, they were going to people that really needed it, like which was sick people. Which right? was important, but yeah, we couldn't absolutely. get things um, like... Peroxide. Peroxide or thermometers to include in the kit. Or so, rubber gloves. Yeah, all the things. So we kind of had to put that on hold and then we reworked it with Dr. Peter Armstrong a little bit to get a few extra recommended and items. And he added some really cool stuff. So it's yeah. it's essentially vet recommended and overseen now. Um, I think and we have all the supplies in for that. I get, we got another box today. Yep, and I, I think that's the last of the supplies. So it's a matter of combining them all into one kit and getting now, a picture or something up of that. The other side of that goes though, like we, you need to sneeze. No. Okay. I just can't breathe hardly at all. This cold is kicking my butt. S wall. <laughs> so Cause that'll keep you safe. Yes. So the other side of this though is uh, originally we did put the med kit in a, a nice fairly, let's go a stupidly expensive bag. And that drove the price up of the med kit itself. Um, so we've and gone felt with, like it was not, it was ridiculous. Necessary. No, a hundred percent not necessary, which it was, like I said, stupidly expensive bag. So what we ended up doing um, now, we utilize a mud rivers product, which is the actual bag that I've used for years and years and years and years. Um, for my med kit and all the med kit supplies are going into that now, which cuts the price down and allows us to add more stuff in to kind of equalize to a drastically lower price for a drastically better product, which is always the goal. So med kits. Thanks for the question, Eli. What do we got next here? 
We had another super chat, I believe. It's Chris right here, right? Hender says, yep. currently I have a 12-week-old Brittany, and I have been working with him uh, with targeting and place training, and he has it down about 80% of the time, but does not respond to the verbal command. Okay, so there's a couple cool things involved with this. First of all, 12 weeks old, you have a puppy, right? We have to we have to lay down the, this is the facts. Understand, 12 weeks old, you have a puppy, and puppies at being 80% successful is still really good. Okay, we're in that early baby stage where you got to teach stuff. The other side of it is you really need to um, be able to take those sessions and move them around from a different perspective in a sense of building. Generalizing. Ah, generalizing. There's the word I was looking for specifically. You need to generalize the training. So I would assume, and this is making an assumption. We all know what that does. Uh, I would assume that you train in the same area, probably in maybe your kitchen or your dining room or your some some area of your house where you have extra space where you can work, maybe out in your garage, whatever. You train in the same place every single day. This and is an assumption. similar timing with similar meals. Similar timing, yep. And then the rest of the time, there's virtually no reward. So you run into issues with understanding. The other side of it is once we have an understanding of multiple different cues, we really need to be able to differentiate between them. So so there's no confusion. Making Yes, making sure you have a solid understanding of each one in an individual session. This is all we work on. Then move to a new session. This is all we work on in this session. So that may be here in one session, place training in another session. And then you need to combine them and you're going to see confusion. You're going to say, hey, here, and they're going to go to their dog bed and you're going to be like, no, 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 here. And then mark that only. So you're showing them. This is what that means. And, and you're incorporating you're the cue. And then you say kennel or place or dog bed or go lay down or whatever the heck word you use. And then when they get there, you reward them. And they start to differentiate between the two. And some of it beca- is not necessarily confusion, but it's also anticipation and excitement. So the puppies want to get rewarded because they're excited to eat. And they're like, well, I've gotten rewarded for getting on my dog bed before. Who cares what the cue was? I just want to, I want to eat. Exactly. Um, So slowing down that training session and rewarding, like Ethan said, only for the behavior you've asked for. Um, Chris had just thrown in another little, I don't want to say question, but like part of that. Um, Is he ready for collar conditioning or does he need to respond to the verbal cue first or command first? So highly recommend. I want to take five seconds. Okay. You are saying command. That is a very normal, typical dog word. We use the cue. So anybody that's listening that's trying to understand what we're saying, we utilize the term cue because we also don't use the terms force or break. We teach, help, develop, train, all of those things. And a cue, um, giving a cue for a situation sounds way better than a command. And the whole idea behind it is a mindset. It's It's an approach to training to say, I want to help teach, train, develop, cue them to do behaviors, not command, force, break, whatever. So that is the back and forth thing. But um, 
I would say you're not quite ready for collar conditioning yet because there is some confusion. I like to see a puppy that has a little more solid understanding in those non-distracting enclosed environments um, that can differentiate between cues are good at those behaviors in a generalized sense where they can complete those behaviors, not only during a specific training session, but um, throughout the day when you ask for those behaviors and then we can start conditioning them. And usually the conditioning process with collar conditioning isn't to get them to do the behavior better, but it's to be able to build on duration of that behavior and to get through to them during distractions, um, as well as being able to send them, you know, and get their attention from a distance. So we talk about the three D's of distractions, durations, and distance. Distance, yeah. So. You got them all. I was trying to be helpful. I know. So it's not about, well, they're not doing the behavior when I'm asking for it. It's more I'm reinforcing the behavior that they already know to build on it and make it better. So I hope that that answers your question, Chris. Are you doing another random number generator? I'm getting ready to. Okay. Well, I'm going to answer. I have not heard. If Alex is here, shoot us a quick message on here. You are the. On here or on, on Patreon. Either way, we're looking for you, big dog. But while we wait, I'll give him one more. We hear you, Kelly. We're, we'll get to that in just a second. We've got some cool information. Well, about Kelly that. actually did a super chat. Oh, heck yeah. Throw that in there then. She was asking about shock. Well, she said, nine-month-old Jax, the GSP puppy, is terrified of the ceiling fan in the bedroom acclimate like gunfire intro um interesting question comment situation um kelly i know you're on patreon with us as well Mm -hmm. sorry we don't have all of our patrons tier levels memorized i want to see this either i want to see it yeah Yeah. Yeah, send us a video video of what he's reacting to how he's reacting what you have been doing. I want to see it so that we can say, hey, try this or don't try this. Um, Typically, like if we get a dog that has a little bit of a startle response to a completely normal thing, like a ceiling fan or a garbage bag blowing across the yard, we try and put less emphasis on that and redirect their focus to something else that they can think about, reward them for a behavior like a sit or a recall um, that can pull their focus from thinking about what was that garbage bag or what is that ceiling fan? And then let them just normalize and not put emphasis on the fact that something simple household shouldn't be startling them. Um, we don't want to be like, oh, it's okay, puppy. Don't worry. We're, you know, jacks. There's nothing to worry about here. Um, so that we can hopefully desensitize to that, um, situation and help them to recover quickly from being startled by something like that. See, the thing is, I would say that on average, we try and take care of our dogs, our animals. And when we are doing that, we say, Hey, uh, it's okay when we see apprehension. So I'm assuming this is an assumption again, making all kinds of assumptions this evening, but I would assume, yeah, that's number nine. That's the next number that I pulled. Okay. So we did random number generator again, uh, right there. Number nine, which happens to be Jill Thistle and Scott. Yeah. Jill and Scott. And they said, Scott and I would love to join you, 
Um, we'll be watching either way, so I'm hoping you guys are on here. If Let you're us on, know. Th- throw the old huzzah We're in here. the comments. We're here, something. But um, if you are saying, oh, it's okay, buddy, you know, essentially you are positively reinforcing that behavior with verbal confirmation that what he's doing is okay with sweet, nice talking words. So stop that. Um, but the other side of it, send the video over. We want to see it. We want to be able to help you and continue forward from there. I think there's another one. But I was going to say we can text. We poor can text Breezy. Jill and Scott What's because. Oh, poor Breezy's ear. Yeah, Charlie's on. Yeah. Hey, Charlie. Um, but I wanted to mention that Scott and Jill actually have Zev, the Vishla in for training with us right now. Oh, and we got to all capitalize. We are, we here. are here. Excellent. Awesome. Okay. So I was going to say, we can text them and ask them as well. So we got somebody. Yes. We finally got somebody. We got somebody. Um, but Kelly asked about shock and that was part, like I said. Yeah. She'd also asked about shock. So last week we talked about the surprise that we had surprise. had. With She's doing fantastic. Muddy having a single puppy, even though the She's ultrasound. She's about 40, 45% over body weight <laughs> currently. And. Uh, Perfect. Got it. Uh, Bingo. So she's gaining quickly, which is something that typically can happen with singletons pretty easily. I'm give because you a there's sneak definitely preview. no um, resource. You don't want to see that. That's a picture of dog poop. It's a thing <laughs> dog people have, right? Poop pictures on their phone yeah Uh, look at that look at it just just look at it look it's a it's a turd a nice healthy dog poop okay things that you didn't know you were gonna get to see when you tuned in on yawa today okay look at this folks right here that right there is shock she's hanging out with grits puppies the uh, the pictures all look super whited out on here but at the same time what's going to end up happening is you'll get to see that on our social media Mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook tomorrow. We're probably going to post. post it tomorrow. Yep, yep. Talking about how she's doing. So I'm glad everybody's loving. We've got, uh, where is it at? That was it. So we've got a super chat right here. Yep. Get lost outdoors. Had a question right there. Have a new puppy, 11 week old GSP, and she is amazing. We are in an apartment though till June. Then I'm moving back to Montana. Any tips and tricks? Hey, I was reading that. Uh, Scott and Jill, be prepared with questions because we're going to call you here in a minute and you get to ask away. (laughs) Ask away. Okay. Any tips and tricks for raising a puppy in an apartment on the third floor? Hey, guess what? We've been there, done that with our first short hair. Got the postcard. Crazy Sammy. Lit it on fire, threw it in the pasture. I don't know what all that means, but we actually have been there, done that um, with our first short hair, Crazy Sammy, which we've talked about in the past. Um, so listen to some of our previous Yawas because that's where we've talked about her. It sucked. It, it was tough. It was definitely difficult. And it sounds like your puppy is doing amazing, which is great and doesn't have a terrible nickname like Crazy Sammy. And Crazy Sammy definitely lived up to that nickname. Um, definitely being on the third floor is difficult. Getting them out in a timely manner to go potty, things like that aren't necessarily ideal. And getting them enough exercise and things like that, you definitely have to be committed and make the time for with um, going to areas that you can exercise them. 
Uh, your puppy's only 11 weeks old, so not fully vaccinated. So not places like dog parks or dog heavily populated areas, but there are places that aren't dog specific um, that you can take your puppy for some off-leash time to burn off some energy, um, as well as doing some training sessions to help mentally stimulate your puppy. So it can be done. You only have to get through June till June, which is, where are we at? April, basically tomorrow. Um, so April to May, May to June. So you've got about two more months. Your puppy's going to be, they're 11 weeks old now. So add eight more weeks to that. They'll be 20 weeks, which is about Trix's age, which she's just about at that point where. Huge difference. Yeah. Where she's going to be. Eight week old puppy and a five month old puppy. Super ready for more at this point. And then once you are in a new location, you'll be able to do more at that point. 100%. No coddling. Okay, good. Kelly. You have me trained. No coddling. <laughs> That's excellent. So we we still want to see a video, Kelly. I, I do. Gotta, I got to see this. I do want to see that. Uh, what's in the glass? Uh, it says, bought a four grain tonight. Charlie, this is just small batch. So uh, for those of you that are here for the bourbon, Colonel E.H. Taylor has a whole bunch of different batches, one of which is four grain. I have a bottle. Um, it's super hard to come by. Got really lucky. Got me some. It's delicious. Charlie got some. So we do uh, bourbon and bird dogs on the guy with the pink gun channel, which involves all kind of goofiness. Okay, so there's a couple, couple things. things. We're, we're running short on time, folks. We but love y'all, and we want to throw these in here. Yep. So, First of all, we had some questions. Throwing this out there, Yawa Pedigrees. That's what's coming up next week. We will be live. I'm trying to make sure that we have access to my screen, going back and forth, doing all the things. Got to make sure it's set up right. And this week wouldn't have been the week for it because obviously Ethan was not batting a thousand. No, and we'd be like sitting here going, uh, "Do we see the pedigrees? Did no. I push record?" Okay, so the email address that I threw in here, right here, I'm gonna pin this bad boy. Pin it. That is where you can send your pedigree of your dog so that we can have time to prepare. We're going to pick a few and put them into our pedigree program. It has to be a German short hair pointer pedigree because... It has to be. If it's not, I can look at it, but I can't tell you a whole lot. Yeah, we can't put it into our, our pedigree program and talk about the coefficients of inbreeding, unique dogs, all the things that we want to talk about and explain and show you in a pedigree program. And the reason is, guess what? We breed short hairs, so we have the pedigree program for short hairs. So far, we have over 30 pedigrees in there. If you have a pedigree, there's the email address again, Yawa Pedigrees. Hopefully, I spelled that right. Pedigrees. It looks weird in all caps. At gmail.com. Pinned it to the top, folks. Grab that bad boy. Throw us over your pedigree. Certified as Idealio. And then um, we've got to call. Yeah, we've got a call. Hopefully you're. They said they're ready. They're ready. Here so, we come. Time to call our. Bingo, bango. Patron. Hey, can it's you ringing. Hear it ringing. Can you hear it ringing? Yeah. Hello. Hey, you, uh, How sir, you doing? are live with us on Yawa this evening. That's awesome. Which is really awesome because if you guys all that are watching right now watch last week, this is who actually gave us all those wonderful gifts, which is really <laughs> awesome that it worked out this way that we could um, 
get you on here live. I am going to say, uh, folks, you you guys earned third third place. You were third <laughs> choice as far as the, the random number generator was concerned. But apparently, it was meant to be. Yes, that's okay with us. That's all right with <laughs> Good us. Good deal. Good deal. Well, we're glad. Uh, we're glad you enjoyed the taste of Wisconsin. Um, that and was absolutely uh, fantastic. Yeah, and, and probably more importantly, congratulations on the, what's 500 Patreon members, right? Yes. And yeah, it's crazy because we just hit that basically last week, Wednesday, right before we announced that we were we reached it. And now we are in a week up to how many, honey? I think 525. 525, which is really awesome. Awesome. Moving yeah, towards that next, that next goal where we can invite one of our wonderful patrons out for a all expensive paid training seminar with their dog. So that's our next goal that we'll that'll be, be the big one. Reach. That'll be the big yeah, one. Yeah, that'll be fun. So the, the most pressing question we have is how's Zeb doing? We have to ask that. Of course. <laughs> okay. So Zeb, this is kind of a fun, uh, candid story. And if Jess is listening, which I, she probably isn't, I mean, she works all day. She's got, she's got a life, she's got right? a life that doesn't so, involve the kennel constantly. No, this is the Zeb is rocking and rolling and specifically uh, rocking and rolling in the field a little bigger than she was prepared for today. Um, it, it just happened that he was out running and having fun. And sometimes it's one of those things that he, he, it was unexpected. You know, he's, he's pretty low key. He's pretty subdued around the kennel all the way around. You turn him loose and he was a wild banshee. So there's a little bit yeah. of taming that needs to happen maybe there. But a little extra handling. But at the same time, uh, super, super awesome to be around. And good, good. Um, is I don't know if everybody knows, but if you don't follow along on Instagram and Facebook, uh, you, you wouldn't. Should. You should, but you probably don't know that Zev is a Vishla, and typically Vishlas are a little more laid back, a little more subdued, maybe even a little more timid than like our short hairs are. The ones we get to work with specifically. And Zev is definitely. Yeah. Not showing those colors. He is, like Ethan said, in the field. And when we've been doing birding gun intros and um, positive pigeons, he's just been um, a ball of fire and a lot of drive, a lot of desire. We love to see that those um, dogs like that make training easy, if you will. So he's been fun to work with and he's been a very well-behaved, good-mannered boy in the kennel, which is awesome. Um, And there was a Super cute video on the story today of him. I don't know if you saw it. Well, of course you saw it. I'm sure you were, <laughs> you've yeah. been watching. Um, he was super cute though. Very excited. Yeah, he's to train. awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. We're excited and we're excited to bring uh, his sister down there to you guys in June. Yes, we're excited as well. We've, we had so, a busy training season. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, good for you guys. It's good. It's good to see you uh, being successful and, and, uh, we love it. We love to see it. So I, I guess the, the questions, I know you guys are a little pressed on time here. Um, yeah, because I have, uh, because I have Zev's sister on my lap here and she's 14 weeks old. And, um, I tried to do a lot of different things with Zev before he arrived, uh, down there at you guys, but he was older. So I was able to do the collar conditioning. I was able to do a lot of things. So I think maybe set him up pretty well, but she's pretty young and I'm not sure that I'll have as much, well, I won't have as much time with her before she gets to you. So my first question is, are, are there specific things 
that you would want somebody to work on before they sent the dog to you? So it's an awesome question. Yes, a very good question. And um, I want to say that you guys did a phenomenal job with Zev prior to him coming out. So yes, she's younger. You won't be able to maybe do quite as much as you had with um, Zev because of timing of when she's coming out. But um, the most important thing is socialization. I talk to people about this all the time. A dog that is well socialized, and when we talk about well socialized, that doesn't just mean um, in some people's minds, oh, well, they get to go to the dog park and play, or they Or get even worse yet. I mean, and I think the, the main stereotype is yeah, my dog, my puppy plays with children on a regular basis, aka it's socialized. And this is not the case. That's not the case. Though those things are great. That's not enough. The dogs need to have socialization in the sense of exposure to new environments, new things, um, so that they can be as mentally stable and prepared for training when they get here. Otherwise, they come into the kennel. The kennel's very much a new thing for most dogs. And if they have been well socialized, reacting and recovering from that new environment Um, where they can just settle in right away, start training, making progress is really important. Whereas a puppy or a dog that has been a little more sheltered, a little less socialized, they come in and it's like mind blown, very overwhelming, where the time that it takes for them to settle in is longer. The time for them to begin a trust and a bond with us as trainers is longer, which ultimately makes training with your dog here longer because they need to be able to settle in before we can accomplish anything. Yeah, I mean, realistically, some of those dogs could take anywhere from seven to 14 days to truly start feeling comfortable enough to do something. Because what we risk on our end is, oh yeah, sure, they're fine. They're settled in, they're comfortable. Let's go do a bird introduction. Or, hey, let's not even do that. Let's just go for a run outside with some other dogs. And then the dog gets spooked by something and then takes off and disappears. Now, granted, knock on, wood. Knock on everything in this room. That's wood. We have never <laughs> lost a dog, but it is something that happens to dog trainers on a semi-regular basis. Often enough that I can count multiple people that I know that have said, yeah, a dog bolted, disappeared. It took us days to find them or hours to find them or they never found them or they never found them yeah maybe somebody else did maybe something (laughs) horrible happened stuff like that happens and so we take all of the precautions in the world to be able to say i know i can trust i understand you are settled in and comfortable with me comfortable with the situation and we can move forward with training and if that only takes a day or two it's way better all the way around than it taking seven to 14 days. So, so socialization and then all okay. the basics, um, you know, clicker training for place training, recall, sit, all of those are great. Um, if you can start collar conditioning, awesome. Not a, not a necessity. Um, most dogs, I would say probably 90% that come in for training have not been collar conditioned. And that is not a big deal, but a dog that knows how to work for their meals and is well socialized makes those dogs easy to train, very well motivated to start working as soon as they get here, which allows us to move into that collar conditioning really simply. So to break awesome. down socialization, we said that that's a word that gets tossed around and we probably need to talk more about it, but 
the the easiest way to break that down is essentially um, exposing your dog to everything as a puppy that we're going to expect out of them as an adult dog. And that has to be catered to them being puppies, right? So we can't say, here, puppy, pitch them into the field and say, let's go hunting, right? It, it's different. But to take them through on a run through tall grass and to take them on road trips and to take them to the neighbor's house. If you do that or to take them to wherever and however, and all of the things now at the same time, dogs are going to need to spend time alone. That is also part of socialization. They are pack animals and they need to understand all of the, 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 for the breakdown, all of the things in life. They have to be exposed to all of those things during the impression stage, which I can look up from a dog psychologist standpoint what is the actual date range, but essentially within that first six months, if you're doing all of these things, you're going to be in that window. So let's see. What is and the impression And I wanted to stage? just um, throw this out there because I know that um, we finally got to answering our uh, live patron call towards the end of this. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, sign enough now. But remember, there is a giveaway. We said there was a giveaway. So <laughs> don't be checking out quite yet, unless you don't care about the giveaway. And then see you next week. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> what other questions do you guys have while Ethan looks up his... Uh, well, stages. yeah, no. So you you hit on something in in your answer here that I did did want to ask you. It was a good segue, and that is collar conditioning. So um, Zeb's sister Rosie is only fourteen weeks old, and when she gets to you, she'll be just six months old. So, is there a situation where um, I could collar condition her at what age? Maybe just would vibrate. Some people have said that vibrate can be almost too aggressive for a younger puppy. So I, I'm wondering if I should just skip it or should I try it? The, and the re, you know, I'll just tell you my logic and it may be faulty, but my logic is um, one of the things that I did with Zeb before he came to you was I spent a lot of time with him off leash in the field running and he ran hard, probably what has made him strong. And I, I really want, um, I want Rosie to be able to spend some time off leash but I'm not comfortable doing that without good recall with an e-collar. Obviously, no stimulation, um, just vibrate. But I don't know if she's too young for that. So you have a added bonus because you guys are patrons. So we can, you know, work with you on Patreon to help with the collar conditioning process. Um, but typically, um, anywhere from 12 to 16 weeks is when we say, sure, start collar conditioning with vibrate, um, for a behavior that is really solid that they already know. For example, we started collar conditioning tricks to her dog bed. And that was a choice that we made based on her personality to do her collar conditioning to a dog bed before collar conditioning to recall. And now we're getting to the point of collar conditioning recall. And it's just because she's got a little bit different personality than some of the other dogs we've worked with, but we have series um, on YouTube, like with Rogue, where we call conditioned her to recall before place training. So it's just a matter of which you do first. And um, definitely, we have noticed a trend, especially with doing all of these, um, helping people train their dogs at home on Patreon, basically that people 
that aren't prepared and start just throwing the collar on and doing vibrate and whatever with their puppy have been running into their puppies, becoming startled of the collar more than expected. I mean, I've, I've literally never had that happen with one of our personal puppies and we've not had puppies in for training at the kennel because they don't come in until they're six months old. So a lot more older, a lot more mature. So this, um, Patreon has given us a look inside more puppies, um, experiences. So that has allowed us to change how we recommend starting some things, um, with a vast number of breeds and ages and how those puppies have been raised and developed and doing those sessions with a check cord or with a tether has been the number one thing that we needed to do to change, um, to make these puppies and help these puppies have a better situation when we start that and doing it in an enclosed environment where there's no places to hide and avoid. So if you feel like Rosie is bold and confident and responding in low distraction environments consistently to the cue of recall, that is a point where you can say, I'm ready for collar conditioning to recall and setting up your training session for success, working with us um, through Patreon to help guide you with that. And then doing the session Videoing the session is super helpful so that we can see exactly what happens as well. And then you can start expanding that environment to being outside, going through the tall grass. And if you have a puppy that's well-conditioned with vibrate to recall, when you get out in a big open field and it's your puppy and you, sure, they may, you know, range out a little bit and start exploring, but they're going to recall back to you, um, as long as you've done the the groundwork and the foundation work with them understanding how to shut the collar off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the imprinting stage, I talked about that. So I'm going to do more research, but short, I found a pretty uh, basic number of 16 weeks is kind of when that imprinting stage ends. I've heard old time periods before, but 16 weeks, four months is kind of that imprinting stage. So essentially we want your dog to experience everything that they're going to experience throughout their entire life by the time they're 16 weeks old. Now, again, that's small, uh, essentially introductions to those things, but they need to be traveling. They need to be in the field. They need to be around lots of different things. All of that stuff is going to make a big difference. So 16 weeks, give or take, looking for more information. And we'll talk about that again. Um, but that's an absolutely fantastic question. Great. Um, I got one more if you have time. Otherwise, oh, we can yeah, we do. wrap it up. So this is maybe um, kind of, I, I really don't have any idea how this gets answered. But when, when you're training dogs to back another dog is there a specific thing that you have to do or is that something that's just natural or how does that work because all of a sudden i'm going to be hunting next season with two dogs that's an awesome question and uh, the short answer okay um the best way to teach backing is through genetics (laughs) and that's a little bit of a cop-out answer yeah it's not a cop-out it's the truth so obviously, um, there is training involved as well, and exposure is important because even though you can have a dog that we genetic for one more, come on now. Even though you have a dog that's you know genetically 
predisposed to back because their parents back and their parents' parents back. And they're from a breeding program that puts a lot of emphasis on dogs that know how to back. For example, our breeding program, we selectively breed for dogs that will back naturally honor another dog's point. I absolutely love it. Yeah, because you can get little 16-week-old puppies out in the field backing the big dogs and because they're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't even know if I've ever pointed a bird before, but this This feels feels right. right. Yep. 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 And those dogs are really easy to train to and to reinforce that backing behavior. Mm -hmm. However, I think the biggest thing that people make a mistake on is not exposing early enough life and early enough in life. That's what I was going to say. So you can continue or I can continue on that. Uh, yeah, so we did a backing seminar this last or year before last because COVID, right? The whole last yeah. year we had to cancel most of our seminars. So the we did a backing-based seminar, and essentially, as far as teaching that aspect of things, while the dogs are here, they're gonna ex- they're gonna get exposure with that a ton. It's um, common as soon as they're steady enough to do this, they run with multiple dogs. Usually, Whether formal the- woe training has happened already so that you can, um, reinforce them standing there. If they, you know, see a dog on point, you can say, now you know how to woe. I'm going to woe you. You're going to stand there. Whether that's once, uh, one dog or two dogs or three dogs or four dogs, or whatever, it's having multiple dogs in the field and learning how to back and, and being handled to back as uh, every time there's an opportunity. As soon as, essentially, if your dog has a lot of pointing instinct, as soon as the dog makes the association that this dog up here that's on point means that there's a bird, they'll start backing that dog because they're essentially pointing that dog knowing that this dog up here already has the bird. Now, there are dogs that are greedy. This, I believe, is more developed than... Truly, I, I think that honestly, dogs that seem quote unquote greedy and try and steal point, it's a developed behavior on a dog that understands that that dog up here has a bird and they just have been allowed to get away with things that and they should And not reinforcing woe when they see that dog on point. They're Correct. just allowed to creep up and steal point. Then you get the dogs out there that have the complete opposite, which is what we're talking about with They spend genetics. the whole dang day looking for backs and it's almost detrimental to their ability to find birds. Well, I was going to actually even say the opposite where you get the dogs out there that are just oblivious to the fact that there's another dog on the ground out there and they're uh, just, they either hunt low headed or they're just not paying attention to the fact that there's another dog out there and they'll just run past them. It's not like they're going to steal a point. They just, don't even know that that dog's out there and has a bird. So who was it that we were running? You said running low headed. Who we were running somebody recently that it was like, all right, just look up, look up, look, come on, lift your head, look up. And then as soon as I looked up, it was like, oh, there's a bird, there's a dog there. There must be a bird there. Whatever. I don't remember. But we run a lot of dogs. Somebody, whatever. <laughs> but low headed is a problem. So you have those. Those are the extremes. Dogs that like just pay no attention, and then the dogs that all they do is pay attention and. That would be an example of uh, grit specifically. I was running her and her master hunter tests in Minnesota and we ran through the field and there was this, the dog that she was Braysmith was kind of a wild child. Okay. So, and I, 
I'm not a total jerk when it comes to running tests and trials. I give most people the benefit of the doubt and the dogs the benefit of the doubt, hoping that someday, if that ever happens to me, that I will also maybe get the same courtesy. But this dog running like a wild, like in the words of your late father, raped ape, okay? <laughs> um, gone. Well, we come around the corner. This dog's on point. My dog's backing. This was grit. And the dog busts the bird, takes off chasing it, and then busts out back into the field. So there's like a wood line right here. And the judges were back behind me. They couldn't see what was going on. Then they see this dog <laughs> running out into the field. And they're like, oh, wow, she's doing a great job hunting. I'm like, she... Okay, so we this will work itself out, right? I mean, it's guaranteed to. Um, she's busting birds three minutes into the brace. It ain't going to be much longer before somebody sees something. Grit, I heal her away because she knows she's not supposed to move, and we don't go to test unless we're there. So heal her away, send her on. We hunt through the whole back course, and I'll explain those things more later for folks that don't fully understand what's going on. But essentially, we get to the bird field, which is the important part of the hunt test and majority of them. And this dog has run hundreds of yards ahead most of the brace and is now ahead in the bird field, ahead of schedule. And the lady, essentially, we finally caught up to her dog and it's down in the middle of this bowl-shaped field. Bird fields have to be a minimum of five acres, but usually they're anywhere from five to seven acres. It's just an area where the gunners are allowed to stand so they don't have to walk the whole course. That's the that's the whole thing. It's a, an insurance purpose. You've got people only in a small area, and it's all set up, and the gunners don't have to walk every single brace. So here she is. This dog clear down in the bottom. Okay, so I get to the bird field and my dog is under control. I water her, prepare her, say, okay, now go find us some birds and we need to get those killed. Well, she bebops three steps into the bird field, sees this little white dot, literally a dot, a few hundred yards away and stops. She's backing. I'm like, uh, okay. So I walk up next to her and I'm like, waiting while they go to work the bird. And the judge looks at me and says, hey, uh, what are you doing? And I said, uh, my dog's backing. He's, she can't see that from here. Move along. So I go, all right, excellent. I haven't found a bird yet, which is a requirement in order to pass. You have to find a bird in the allotted time. So I heal her away and send her on. She takes two steps, turns, and backs again. I said, now what do you think? And they said, okay, we'll let this play out. So while the dog blows up, takes off, they saw it all that time, and the dog is now gone. I get the bird field to myself, and I got my honor because the dog broke and all of the things happened. And Grit still stood steady And she stood steady through fiasco. all of it. Yeah, so long story short, she was looking, essentially just looking for the backs. I mean, that was a ridiculous back, even for some of the best of our backers. So genetics is the best way to teach it. The rest is proper exposure at a young age and then expectation. And having the, if your puppy isn't maybe as strong naturally backing as we'd like, that's where that formal woe training really comes in and the opportunities and the exposure and setting up the situations right for that puppy to see these opportunities, make that association between, hey, this dog standing there like this means there's a bird up there. Look, now that's popping with a launcher. We can set up lots of situations like that with dogs that potentially have struggles or not as much natural ability in the sense of knowing what a back is. And 
then they can really learn. And we've had dogs before that, you know, we're like, this dog just does not back naturally. And after a whole season, now they back. It's just one of those things that enough exposure and having those expectations and handling those expectations properly can condition that behavior into them as well. 100%. Excellent question. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I'm glad and it worked out. Yes. Yeah, it was thank perfect. You. Thank you. All right. I'm going to go ahead and hang up here and we'll finish this up for everybody else. And uh, we will be in touch with you soon. All right. Have a great night. Thank you. Yeah, you as well. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for everybody that tuned in. If you're interested in the opportunity to join us live as well, uh, we're going to try and do that again. Um, the idea is once a month. That's what the goal was as long as we're staying north of 500 patrons. So uh, if you are interested in the opportunity for that, definitely sign up. Patreon.com slash Kennels. And for everyone that is still here, we have, what do you see? Somebody wanted to know if you could post a link to your channel because they can't find it. Oh, sure. I don't I'll, know how to do that. Uh, try here. He'll try. Now, the last thing while I'm looking for that real quick, uh, we talked about a giveaway this time, and we're going to try and do this every single time we're doing a live Yawa. We'll throw it in randomly. This time it happened to fall to the very end just because of how things worked. We will do it in the beginning, middle, end, whatever. Um, it's going to be a merch giveaway on our new store, which is standingstonesupply.com. Which you can oh. still get to via standingstonekennels.com. Yep, you click, click on, on that store, store link, standingstonesupply.com. Now, this is it. It's only available live. Do not type this into the comments and save it, folks, because it's very limited. There are 10, only 10 accesses to this code. You get this code. I'm going to say it here in just a couple minutes, a couple seconds. 10 hats free to you all you have to do go on enter the code pick your hat ships to you did you have to set it and you set it up so i don't know does it have anything to do with making a purchase blah 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 uh there's no there's no minimum purchase you do have Uh, to pay shipping sorry shipping shipping so don't be confused if you get this free hat but you have to pay shipping but you get a free shipping okay come on help us out here shipping folks um, but you get to pick from any of the hats available. That's the old faithful, the vintage hats, classic tuxedo hat, which is the all black bad boy. I love that one. The homie hat. It's got the pigeon up there. Uh, GSP America and America classic, the Orvis Upland hat. We have an orange Orvis hat that has standing stone kennels on the top and then the the women's ponytail, messy hair, yeah. don't care hats. Sassy hats. The sassy hats for when you you can wear it out the back or you can wear it up top when you're feeling sassy. Sassy. Okay. So uh, there are 10. Again, 10 limited to 10. Here is the code. Is everybody listening? Yawa free hat. Go to Standing Stone Kennels. Excuse me. StandingStoneSupply.com. Pick your hat. If you want to add something else in there, fantastic, but do it quickly. Yawa free hat is the code that gets you a free hat. And there are 10 of them. 10 only. As soon as 10 hits, the code stops working. So Just like last week, it was a free shirt, but until supplies ran out, so. This time, it's only 10. 
We're going to try and do it every time uh, that we get to go live with y'all and introduce something new. Oh, somebody said the shirts were super soft and they came in super fast. So glad you got your free shirt. Love it. Fantastic. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being a fan. Uh, we appreciate you all, folks. And I believe for this evening we are out of time. I am uh, definitely not out of bourbon yet, but I'm going to make but sure that happens. But if he continues, the conversation will go from where it has been now to batting uh, way less than a thousand. We said Yawa Pedigrees. That's going to be next week. Uh, the code is posted at the top, yawapedigrees at gmail.com. Not code. Email address to send those pedigrees to. That's the one. Email address, yawapedigrees at gmail.com. Send your pedigrees. Certified is ideal, so there's not typos, so I can figure it out faster. We're going to do a deal. It's going to be here. It's going to be like, you're going to see my computer screen. You're going to see a little picture of me making goofy faces going, ah, uh, nerding out. I may even put my glasses on. Um where it's all a about neck beard. Didn't you talk about that in a previous mm, Yawa? Yeah, 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 yeah. I may grow my neck beard out for this Lucky nerd me. sesh. Okay, so um, we're going to talk about pedigrees, folks. Uh, we love y'all. We appreciate you joining us. And until next week. Did you put the thing for your channel in there? Oh, shoot. See, this is why he, even though he's not out of bourbon, we are out of time, guys, because... Uh, I'm I'll throw it in there. It's going to go live. I'll throw it up as a comment, and it won't get lost in the live chat. It'll just get, be there, okay? There you go. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, Kelly is still Team Goats, and we appreciate you, Kelly, except I don't know goats. Maybe that'll be my new channel. All right, folks. We'll see you in the next video. Have a nice night. Nice.